0: When you're learning anything new, whether it's being a manager or a new skill, a new sport, one of the critical components to getting good fast is feed, quick feedback loops. Right? You got to have signal. You gotta you gotta fail fast and and learn. Right? And so, building out systems where your new managers are getting consistent and a high volume of quality feedback is going to help them learn and skill up much faster than they otherwise would. And so that is something if you're an HR leader listening to this podcast that I would encourage you to think about is how are you building feedback loops and feedback systems for your leaders so that they can, you know, climb up that learning curve much faster.
1: Welcome to the HR LND podcast where we explore cutting edge HR trends and best practices with top leaders who are shaping the future of work. My name is Nick Day, and I'm founder of JGA Recruitment Group, a specialist HR search firm. I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognised HR thought leader listed on Thinkers 360. Together, we're going to dive into topics from diversity and inclusion to technology, learning curation, and employee experience to help you evolve your people and your development strategies. So, whether you're a flourishing HR executive, a rising manager, or a seasoned CHRO who's driving transformation, this Podcast is for you. So grab your coffee and let's play. Hello, and welcome back to the HR LMD podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist HR recruiters. Remember, if you are listening to this for the first time, please do subscribe to the show. Please review it if you get a moment. And of course, if you get the opportunity, share this podcast with all of your HR colleagues and friends. And together, we can really raise the profile of people management and human resources for everyone globally. And in fact, I've got a great guest to help us do that today because I'm joined on the show by Will Clive, who is Chief People Officer at Technology Workforce Development Company, Pluralsight. We're going to find out more about that business during the course of the show. But let me just let you know that he leads all aspects of people strategy and operations for the company. In fact, he has led several key strategies, including a 450% increase in headcounts in recent years. We will be touching upon recruitment during the course of this episode as well. But we're also going to be talking about management. We're going to talk about passion for the sector. And in particular, Will is someone who's very experienced and very enthusiastic about the HR community. Something he wants to do is really transform HR into a true competitive Differentiator by hiring world-class talent, something I'm also passionate about here, by actively developing people, and of course by creating a culture of performance. So today we're going to explore the topic of closing the technology sector managerial skills gap, something we hear a lot about in the market at the moment. And we're also going to talk about how we can measure the success of those programs. So without further ado, welcome Will Clive to the HR LD podcast. How are you feeling today?
0: Feeling great. Thanks for having me, Nick. I'm excited to be here.
1: Super excited to have you here as well. I'm going to ask you my first question, something I ask all of my guests, which is this. What do the words human resources mean to you?
0: Uh, it's a great question. Well, first, uh, you know, I, I don't actually love the term human resources because to me it sort of implies an old school way of thinking about people. Um, but that being said, um, for me, what... The work I do is all about is investing in the company's most valuable resource, which is its people. And that is the thing which ultimately drives any great company's performance. Uh, And so I'm super passionate about it. I think sometimes it isn't given the respect that it deserves, uh, but I truly believe that people are the difference between a world-class company and just an average company.
1: Fantastic. What a great start. And actually, it leads me to an interesting question, because when in that response itself, maybe think about Pareto's Law, right? And when we talk about managing people, often we spend a lot of our time trying to upskill and create more performance out of 80% of our workforce that are potentially struggling, which means we often neglect the 20% that are actually responsible for much of our growth and performance. And we think, oh, they're okay, that they're, they're doing very well. And often those people will be at sort of managerial levels. So from your perspective, when we're talking about that 20%, those top performers in a business, why are they so critical and what what can we do to really ensure we continue to make those people competitive and successful as well?
0: Well, listen, I think that those high performers, uh, they are especially critical in the new world of work that we're in, where most companies are operating in a hybrid or distributed work environment. Right. And so it used to be that, you know, when everyone was in the office, you know, leadership who was several several layers above, you could interact with frontline contributors. You could have conversations. You had some view of what was going on. But now in distributed work, you don't have that visibility and that ability. And so we rely on our most capable people managers to really drive the execution of all of the company's key strategies. And so there is so much weight on those folks' shoulders. Um, It is critical that we support them with the tools and the resources that they need to be successful. It is also important that um, we care for them as humans, meaning we're providing them with recognition, with coaching, with guidance. Um, so that that's kind of my mindset and orientation in terms of the value of those leaders and, you know, how we need to invest and take care of them.
1: I like that as well, because you really focused and honed in on the word human. And I and I agree that human resources is an outdated word now. I'm, I'm yourself, you're a chief people officer. I think people is where we've seen that industry evolve into. But that doesn't take the human out of human resources as well. So when we talk about the human. We talk about the managerial people that that are leading our businesses and you know in whatever sector we're in. Where are you seeing across distributed workforce as you talk about there? Where are you seeing those managers have the greatest impact? What are the sort of things they're doing that's really making the difference perhaps where we were before?
0: Well, your segue in honing in on the word human, I think um, is spot on. And I say that because, um, you know, in my experience with the world of distributed work, the thing that is really hard to replicate and nail is human connection, right? Like we can, a lot of us can do the blocking and tackling the tactical components of our job really effectively in a distributed environment. But the feedback that we get from team members is that, hey, I don't feel like the same closeness, the same depth of relationships uh, with my manager and with my team in this distributed world, right? And so, the big challenge is how do we foster human connection in distributed work? And I think that we need to support our managers with tools and guidance on how they can better support human connection because it is a learned skill. Like, there are things that yeah. you can do to help create that. And if no one has taught you, or you don't have previous experience, you're likely not going to be great at it if I just drop you into that situation.
1: Okay, so let's bear that in mind. I, think I want to come back to the tools. I want to find out what some of those tools might be as well. But if we just take a step back so that we can our listeners can kind of follow this carefully as well. Before we, uh, we give them the tools to succeed better and some of the learning things that clearly you've been implementing in your business, which has seen a you know, 450% increase in headcount, which has been fantastic. Where have you seen some of the roles and responsibilities of management shift and change post-pandemic? You talked about the modern workforce. We're all aware now in a distributed world that we live in, actually the responsibilities of middle management have changed as well. What what sort of changes have you seen happen? Uh,
0: uh, Well, one of the biggest changes in my view is that uh, frontline managers have to be fantastic at managing performance of their teams in a way now that they didn't necessarily have to be before. And What I mean by that is, okay, well, if everyone's in the office together um, and I have a team member who's struggling, I'm going to pick up on that probably pretty quickly. Right. I'm seeing that person every day. I'm seeing, you know, how they're engaging with their work. um, And I've just got more visibility. Uh, And so that was kind of the old model of managing performance. Uh, And now in the new world of distributed work, I've got to be much more effective as a frontline manager at engaging with my team members in creating rigorous performance targets, checking in on those performance targets to make sure that we're making progress towards them. And if we're not making progress towards them, intervening to help people get back on track, that muscle of performance management, what we have found um, has been a little underdeveloped. And I think where a lot of companies have run into struggles and in shifting to a hybrid or a distributed work model is that they didn't support their managers and help them develop those performance management skills in conjunction to moving to a distributed work model. Uh, and then as a result, they don't have the tools that they need to drive company performance and drive the company to its objectives.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just thinking, so if we go back then to some of the tools you've you provided, some of the learnings you've given to really help your teams perform optimally, which I know is something you've been able to do very successfully, something that, that I guess came to mind in that response is there's also a fine line between empowering your staff and trusting them to perform and micromanaging as well, making sure that we're not, you know, we're checking in, yes, but not going over the level where we want them to feel like they, that, yeah. you know, that we can trust them to perform, but we, we also want to check in to make sure that they are. So how have you been able to manage that balance? And what are some of the tools that perhaps you've used successfully to to help you with that performance management and those, those analytics?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Nick. You know, um, no one likes to be micromanaged. <laughs> um, right. So there is a fine line to walk. Um, you know what we have done here at Pluralsight is we've actually put a lot of thought into um, figuring out how we can support managers, and what we have developed is what we call a distributed work playbook. It's actually okay. a guide that lives on our company intranet that all employees, including managers, have access to, that provides them with guidance on best practices to operate in this new world of distributed work, and that ranges from Um, tools and tactics on how to create connection between teams. So if I'm a manager, I can go look up like, hey, what are some of the other things that other leaders have done to foster connection or build relationships with their distributed team? Or um, what are some of the best practices around scheduling meetings and working asynchronously? I have a team that's distributed with people in Europe, in APAC, in the United States. And if I've not managed a distributed team before, not having that t- those tools and knowledge are going to hold me back. And then finally, you know, um, one of the other components of that distributed work playbook is a performance management guide for leaders that helps them learn the basics of how to manage performance in a way that um, creates the visibility and accountability that is needed, but not being you know overbearing or too far cool. into the detail. Right. Um, so that that's what we have done. And I think in large part, it's been successful.
1: Yeah, so, well, it sounds like I, I like the idea of a playbook. I think also there's a word you didn't use there, but you kind of you talked about around it, really, which is the word of communication. Right. So I think one of the best ways to overcome micromanagement is we, we often try to check in when someone doesn't communicate with us what they've done. If you've got the tools in place, say, hey, at the end of the week, I'm going to tell you what I've done and here's my workflow. These are the KPIs. I don't need to check whether that's been done because you've already supplied it. So that's one great example that you've kind of highlighted that you're doing through your your playbook. What are some of the other sort of skills and training that you've been you've been using in your business successfully, but actually for the HR people listening to this show, that perhaps you might be able to recommend that that they brought into their business to help them prioritize how they can set their managers up to succeed when it comes to leadership?
0: Yeah, okay, Um, that's a good question. Well, one of the things that we've been really focused on that uh, I think is maybe a little nebulous and non-traditional is some of the skills that managers need to be really effective in in leading in distributed work, and particularly as it relates to asynchronous work, okay? there are so many companies who are globally distributed. um, And now that, you know, um, it's okay to work remote, what happens is that team composition shifts and not everyone on the same team is now co-located in the same office. And as a result, what you end up getting are teams that are spread across the world in different time zones, right? Uh, And that example that I gave earlier of, here at Pluralsight, you know, there are a lot of teams with people in APAC, Europe and the United States. And so in order to be successful, you got to lean into asynchronous work. And what that means is you got to get better at planning meetings and coordinating schedules. And you've also got to get better at written communication. And so one of the things that we've actually been digging into, which again, I don't think um, lots of people are, 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 are aggressively pursuing this is actually upskilling our leaders, our managers on how to write effectively. Um, because yeah. in the world of distributed work, asynchronous communication m- means that you've got to be a fantastic writer. you got to be great at distilling ideas in a simple consumable way for your team members because you can't always meet with them live real time. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've we have distributed writing guides to help people compose clear, you know, concise emails, clear, concise Slack messages. How to use Slack effectively, right? Um, how to set up channels. How to how to avoid just um, putting junk out there that makes it hard to wade through information and get at the core of what's needed. So that's sort of a non-traditional thing that we're really focused on that that we think is important.
1: Yeah, I think that you've, you've raised some really great points. that links to something I wanted to ask you anyway today, which is often, certainly in the world of tech, and I know to we're going to talk about in the industry that you're in, but actually it's not, it's not exclusive to tech. It happens in sales. It happens in most industries, and often companies will promote people because they're brilliant at what they do into management roles, not because they're great managers, they're just great at what they do. So they could be great at tech, they could be great at sales, and then suddenly we think, okay, they, they've... It, it makes sense that we promote those individuals. They want growth. We want to promote them. But actually, they they lack the leadership capabilities. And we're not necessarily born with it. A lot of it, we have to learn and develop. Sounds like you've put some really interesting, as you mentioned, some nebulous plays in in, in, in mm-hmm. you know, things in play that really help your managers to, to be able to navigate some of the complexities of the way that we communicate and things like that. But what advice would you give to HR leaders listening to this? Maybe they're in tech, maybe they're not, who... They want to perhaps promote some of their employees into management roles for the first time, but they want to get over that skills gap. What are some of the things that you you may want to advise you may want to give to those people that work for you?
0: Yeah, it's a great question because what you said in my experience is so is so accurate. And this is my own experience is that leadership and management of teams is a learned skill. There are actually say, very yeah. few. Yeah, there are very few people who it's just like, oh, you're a natural, right? And you can step in and pick it up. Um, there is a real learning curve. And I think so often, we just forget about that. We don't we don't even think about that. We think, oh, yeah, this person's a rock star. Okay, lead a team. There you go, figure it out. Uh, and we don't support them with, with the resources. Um, so, uh yeah we we've, we've already talked a lot in this podcast about you know training and development tools for managers and I think that's really important and we actually have something at plural called Learn to Lead. It is a really short video series for our people leaders and the purpose of that course is it just focuses on the most simplistic the basic building blocks of what it is to be a people leader. So How do i have an effective one-on-one how do i navigate a feedback conversation um you know things of that nature so we have that course okay that that's probably um like a common sense thing that i think most people listening to this would say okay yeah i have something like that or that makes sense uh so let me throw out something different that maybe you haven't put a lot of thought into that also i think is really useful I think one way that you can support new leaders and all leaders in your company that is really important is giving them the gift of um, a regular feedback mechanism so that they can see how they're doing and where they need to improve. So the way that we do this at Pluralsight is we use a software tool um, and we do quarterly engagement surveys. Lots of companies do engagement surveys. But yeah. the cool thing about the tool that we use is that there is a an interface where every people leader that has a sizable team can get on there and they can look at their own team's results they can see the qualitative sort of um open text feedback that their team is providing them and then they can engage with the team and respond to some of those points of feedback through the tool right nice. um and and I think that's really important because when you're learning anything new, whether it's being a manager or a new skill, a new sport, one of the critical components to getting good fast is feed, quick feedback loops. Right? You got to have signal. You gotta you gotta fail fast and and learn. Right? And so, building out systems where your new managers are getting consistent and a high volume of quality feedback is going to help them learn and skill up. Much faster than they otherwise would. And so that is something if you're an HR leader listening to this podcast that I would encourage you to think about is how are you building feedback loops and feedback systems for your leaders so that they can, you know, climb up that learning curve much faster.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's the idea of sort of fail quick, learn fast. Someone once said to me that fail st- uh, stands for first attempted learning, right? But if you make that opportunity available for people quickly with feedback loops, as you say, then we can learn and really can get things moving much, much faster. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my
0: HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find
1: out more. Something that came to mind there, and I don't know if you'd be able to answer this question or not, it's an interesting thing that I know challenges not just workforces, but sports teams as well, where often we see a great, what we think is a great leader, right? Or that could be the best in their position. If we talk about soccer, it could be a midfielder, I don't know who it is, and that they're, they're, they're brilliant. So we make them a captain. But the minute we make them a captain or a leader, the weight of that leadership role weighs on people and they stop performing where they could. Are there any kind of... Um, Metrics or things that leaders can look out for in your experience, you said, you know what, if someone shows these kinds of qualities over and above their ability to do the job, typically in my experience, we've seen this be successful. Or is it really that anyone can be a great leader if they follow the kind of process that you guys have put in place? I'd just be keen to get your experience because you've got so much success in in building big teams very quickly. I wonder if you've got a bit of, um, I don't know, a bit of experience you can share that's really helped you on your journey create the success that you have.
0: The first thing that I would say is, yeah, listen, I I think, like I said before, management and leadership is a learned skill. And so I think if most, I think most people can do it and can be pretty effective at it if they have the desire. Um, But the one thing that I have seen um, over the course of my career is that not everyone actually wants to lead teams. um, And that's okay. But I think one of the problems that we run into oftentimes is we create our career ladders and our org structures such that the only way for people to progress and increase their compensation and their level of impact is by climbing a ladder that forces them to move into a management role. Um, And so then what you end up with oftentimes is someone who does want to grow and have more impact or increase their earnings potential, et cetera, and so forth, but doesn't want to be a people leader and you end up with a square peg in a round hole and that doesn't work well for anybody. And so one thing that I would encourage, again, if if you're listening to this podcast and you have, you know, the ability to influence these things as an HR leader, I would encourage you to think really hard about your career ladders and the structure of your organization you should have paths for, especially for technical professionals, where they can continue to develop and move up into very senior, very high paid roles without managing people. Um, right. So uh, I, yeah, that, that's my answer to your question.
1: I, I generally think it's a brilliant response. But honestly, I've been listening to that. And I wonder, you know, even I've made the mistake sometimes of just assuming that people in my own workforce and other companies as well, that the next step is for me to promote them. And sometimes it would be links back to that feedback loop, right? If I ask them, typically they're going to say, yes, they don't want to let me down. But if we have that feedback loop working earlier, we'll know who wants to go into leadership and those that don't. doesn't mean they don't want to progress. I think you raised a really, really interesting point. If We have that feedback loop working, that communication channel working. We can understand people's motivations. And you mentioned about um, drive, I think, to succeed. But we know we we can teach the skills. We can't teach the attitude. And it's really hard to make a good leader of someone that doesn't want to be a leader. It's going to be an uphill battle. I think you raised a really, you articulated that really well. So from an upskilling um, opportunity then, what are the the key things that businesses need to consider if they want to upskill their existing managers? I know you talked about some of the things there already. Is there anything else we haven't touched upon that actually has been a real success point for you?
0: Yeah, I I would list um, three bodies of skills, um, three thematic buckets that I think are important. And you're right. Some of them I already touched on. One of them I didn't. One that I already touched on in this conversation that I'll reiterate is in the world that we operate in now with so many teams being hybrid or distributed in some way, I think that um, asynchronous work skills, distributed work best practices are a critical thing for you to upskill your leaders on. So that's theme number one. Theme number two, again, something that we talked about before is leadership is a learned skill. Um, And unfortunately, in not every organization, do we do a great job of giving everyone the basic knowledge building blocks to be a great leader. And so we need to ensure that managers understand basic leadership skills. Again, the things I mentioned earlier, effective one-on-ones, et cetera, and so forth. The third bucket that we haven't talked about, but I also think is important in the new world of work is... Every leader has got to have some baseline understanding of technology skills. Now, I'm passionate about that because that's what we do here at Pluralsight as a company is we empower tech teams to achieve their best. Um, And, you know, the world of work is evolving and more and more we're relying on technology to help us get work done. Uh, and I think this is obvious for anyone who's, you know, seeing what's happening with generative AI and chat GPT, uh, like it, it, it's not hard to see how that's very quickly going to be a tool that many of us use in our daily work, regardless of whether or not you are a software engineer or a technology yeah. professional. I use it from time to time in my role. And so, um, again, I, I think one mistake that we make is that we don't focus on equipping all of our leaders, not just our tech professionals, with basic tech skills. So um, that is the third theme or bucket that I think is really important to focus on.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great point, well made. And I run a couple of WhatsApp groups, right? And in in WhatsApp groups, lead you know have HR leaders and payroll leaders and other leaders involved in those groups who are still not fully up to speed yet with with what ChatGPT even is. And I'm mean, that's one one particular advancement it's, it's revolutionised the way that people can do things. But there are many other developments as well. I think it's absolutely imperative we stay up to speed. I think it's a great point, well raised. Um, we've talked about then three key components of upskilling. What then does successful Let me rephrase the question. I was going to ask what a successful upskilling look like, but let me rephrase it. How do we measure the success of upskilling programs? It's not just about whether it's successful for employees. It's also whether it's successful from an organizational perspective. What are the kind of things we can do to to measure the success of the the programs we're trying to put in place, whether it's related to tech, leadership, or or, or something else?
0: Uh, It's a great question because I think um, too often our learning and upskilling programs fall short of achieving what we would hope that they achieve. And so um, let, let me speak about what I think makes for a successful upskilling program. Um, and, I'll, and then hopefully that gets to measurement. Okay. So I, I think we got to go to the start. Um, and what I mean by that is um, we have to start at what the company objectives and strategies are and understand how our learning and development efforts support the company strategy. Because if it's not a clear link between company objectives and our L&D efforts, we're probably not going to be super successful. We're not going to have the buy-in that we need. Right. Um, Which leads me to thing number two, um, the learning and development programs that I've seen be really successful are supported wholeheartedly by senior leadership in the company. So that's why it's so important that it's tied to company strategy because senior leaders aren't going to support it if they don't see how it drives to the company outcomes. Then you got to get your CEO and your executives on board and supporting it because they are your greatest champions, okay? Um, And then underneath that, you got to create the tools and the frameworks um, for the individual team members to engage and to have accountability. Uh, And so those are the components of the successful upskilling initiatives that I've seen and then getting to the measurement, like what the measurement, the measure of a successful program should be, is not just the completion rate of the employees who engaged in the program. I think that's easy. And so that's oftentimes what we measure. But ideally, what the measure of success is, is that we achieved some business objective, right? Right. Like, that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve. Um, it's not at 90% of people passed whatever exam or yeah. finished the training. It's that we created an outcome that created value for our customers and for our business. And that varies from company to company and from business objective to business objective. Um, so I can't say, hey, there's one size fits sure. all measurement there that to rule them all.
1: But it, may, it makes sense, you know what, for people to listen and understand that that's a great place to start from. What's your outcome first and then work your way back to understand what programs are going to support you in achieving the business outcome, right? I, I would love to ask you, I mean, it's, we've got a chief people officer on the show, there'll be people listening to this that want to get up the, 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 the people career ladder to get to a role like you have at the moment, Will, and... You know, we've seen a rapid transformation in the world of tech in particular. I mentioned in my introduction, you've, you've scaled businesses, you've grown businesses and recently, you know, grown, grown a team by 450%. You've been involved in recruiting. What I would argue is one of the most competitive industries out there in the world of tech, particularly recently, right? And you'll know that. So in your role, the, the further you go up the career ladder in any business, typically the pressure increases, the challenge can increase as well with that. With your experience recently, post-pandemic, During this age of digital transformation, during this age of AI and other things, what has been your biggest challenge, A, to recruit the teams that you have and and what have you used to support those things? And B, in something perhaps I haven't considered, that at your level, you know what, people may underestimate, but you've gone, that's been a real hurdle for me to overcome and this is where we are. I
0: guess what I would say, for me personally, the answer is, uh, and I think this would resonate with a lot of really senior HR leaders and executives is that the greatest challenge, uh, or what has been most difficult over the course of the last couple of years is being incredibly dynamic and and willing to completely pivot and throw away everything that you knew uh, uh, about work and reconsider uh, you know the path forward. And so, what what do I mean by that? Well think about what's happened in the last two or three years with COVID and with remote work and all the huge workforce changes. Like so many of those changes, like they directly impact um, us, like the the HR professionals, like, okay, what is your COVID policy? How are you going to on, you know, at the drop of a hat, change your whole talent philosophy and recruiting strategy? How are you going to enable distributed work and ensure that things are still getting done? What do you do with all your facilities and all your office space that's not being used anymore? Um, How do you recruit in like, I mean, the talent market, my goodness. You know, we went from one of the hottest talent markets ever where people are just jumping from company to company and roll to roll and getting huge pay increases. And you can't keep the seats filled to now kind of a 180 shift. How, like navigating all of those huge shifts and keeping your cool, um, that has been challenging. And I think the key, the key to being successful in it, is you. You have to have a growth mindset. There is no, you know, standard HR playbook that would have worked for the last two or three years that you could have relied on to get you through. You got to be a. a a growth-minded person who takes new information and says, Great, I love the challenge. Let me figure out a new way to do work. Right. Um, and that's not for everybody because that means yeah. that you're constantly in a zone of discomfort and not yeah. knowing what, you know, what what the outcome is gonna be. Um, but I think for some folks, it's super invigorating and really exciting and incredibly rewarding.
1: Yeah, well, a great response. It's about being, uh, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. I think there's one thing that, that I would add to the mix you had there, but only because you're showing it in spades on today's episode, Will, and that's passion for what you're doing, right? You're clearly very, very passionate about the work that you do. That comes across uh, in abundance. Um, you clearly have to be dynamic. You have to be able to pivot on your feet to the things that have been thrown at you in the world of HR at the moment, particularly in the world of tech. So kudos to for what you've achieved at Plural Site. T- tell our listeners a little bit more about Plural Site because – you're a business that's supporting many of the things that we're discussing today. You're helping to empower yeah. employees. You're supporting management teams. You're helping businesses to, and, and employees to collaborate better. But there may be people listening to this that aren't familiar with you, Pluralsight and what you guys do. So it'd be great to learn a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the opening. Well, um, yeah, we, we've we talked a lot about some of these really important topics in today's conversation, particularly as it relates to upskilling. And that's what we do as a company here at Pluralsight. You can visit us at www.pluralsight.com. And we provide um, tech professionals with the training that they need to achieve their very best. And so, you know, earlier I mentioned um, some of these soft managerial skills. We have that content. So if that's something that you're looking for, we can help out. I also mentioned having a baseline understanding about Heck. new technology. You know, if you want to get up to speed or get your team or your workforce up to speed on basic tech skills, like, hey, what is cloud computing? What is AI and machine learning? How can I grok, chat, GPT? Pluralsight is a great tool that you can use to help empower your team. So, um, yeah, I, I would... I would encourage any leader out there who has skill gaps to fill across your organization to check out Pluralsight.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And there will be a link directly through to Pluralsight in the show notes. If you want to find out more, click straight through. I should also add, actually, if you go to the site, there's a link just dedicated to resources. You can get loads of downloads, loads of things they give away for free that you can check out as well. It might just utilize be able to be utilized by your team. So if you are listening to this and you're in HR, check out Pluralsight.com and find out more. Um, I should also add as well, that huge gains in Uh, efficiency can be gained very quickly if you utilize tech correctly. So if you haven't Jumped on that bandwagon yet and you want to find out more. I'm telling anyone listening to this, huge gains in productivity, efficiency, communication, all of those things can be gained very quickly with the right training and understanding. So I really do recommend if you're not up to speed yet, check out Plural Site and there's a team there that can help you get up to speed very, very quickly. And you can really, as an HR team, you know, add to your bottom line of your performance of your business uh, if you get these things right. So we're going to open the HR L and D vault. So I've got four short, sharp questions for you. Will first is this if you could give one piece of advice to the world. What would it be?
0: Uh, my piece of advice to the work world is: don't forget to invest in your people. Um, so often, uh, I, I feel like we underinvest in people because it's not as easy to see the ROI on the the dollars and the time that we're investing. But don't make that mistake. People is the like our people are the greatest resource that that determines success of our companies. So be sure to be consistent about investing in people.
1: Fantastic. If you don't mind me adding to that, just because I think there's an opportunity here from my perspective in the world that I see the world, and we touched upon this in your first response as well, when we talked about what human resource is all about. Just to add, don't forget also to invest in your top performers. We often spend all our resources and time investing in those that aren't performing because we think the top performers don't need it. Actually, don't forget because the top performers need it as much as anybody else. And they can perform even better if they're contributing 20% of your workforce is contributing to 80% of your sales. That's where you need to be spending your money. And something like Plural Site or Tech could be the great opportunity for that to do that. So, uh, totally agree with your point. Just something I think worth bearing in mind for those listening as
0: well. Great addition, Nick, that I would uh, plus one wholeheartedly. Like, we should unfairly reward our top performers. Um, and we need to make sure that those people feel supported.
1: Absolutely, especially in the current talent market, which I do know all about. So, if you had the opportunity, what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in this new world of work?
0: Yeah, um, well, it goes back to to the answer that that I gave before when we were talking about um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. As I look back on my career, um, you know, the the regrets that I have are um, the times where I wasn't pushing myself hard enough to be outside of my comfort zone and the reason why is because when we're comfortable that usually means that you're not learning and if you're not learning you're not progressing and so um i wish i had gotten comfortable with being uncomfortable earlier in my career
1: yeah love that you know i was watching um i don't know if you're familiar with the series quarterback it's on it's on netflix obviously it it, covers three quarterbacks in the nfl there's a guy there and one of the quarterbacks one of the teams and he ends up singing on stage he wasn't going to do it because he'd been right to these awards and he said you know what i need to do it you know what i'm talking about and he goes i need to feel uncomfortable in the comfortable i'm going to put myself out there and do it and it that's where the magic happens right sometimes you've got to put yourself out of your comfort zone amazing things can happen on the back of it it does if you go and watch the series so it just brought that back when you mentioned that response i thought i'd just highlight it Next question, what advice would you give to younger people who are listening to this that want to develop a career like yours, which is basically a career that gets them a seat at the HR table, the C-suite table?
0: Hmm. (laughs) Well, that's a great question. I'm laughing a little bit because my career journey is perhaps non-standard. I did not start out in HR. And in fact, I've only been in this space for maybe the last four or five years. I started my career in finance. I worked in product and engineering and then in corporate strategy and operations and then found my way here. Um so uh what would the right path be? Um uh, listen, I, what I tell people and maybe this isn't a great response to to your question. Um I'm I'm so much less concerned with like having a linear career path. I think in in practice that it doesn't play out that way for ver- very many people. Um, I think what is really important is that people follow guiding principles in navigating their career development. And whenever more junior people talk to me about this, I give them two guiding principles. um, And now I'm going to be redundant. But principle number one is always be growing and learning. So be uncomfortable. And principle number two is, you must ensure that you are continually pushing to make greater and greater impact. It doesn't matter what the role, what the function is. If you're pressing to create as much impact as you can, you're going to be successful and new opportunities will flow to you. You don't even need to do anything. Um, like we're talking about with high performers, right? Everyone recognizes who high performers are and on une- not it may not even be conscious. We just push more and more opportunity and responsibility over to those high performers. So if you ensure that you are learning and growing and you ensure that you're striving to create impact, the rest of it takes care of yourself, uh, takes care of itself. And I think you will find yourself um, in a position where you feel really fulfilled with your career.
1: Yeah, nice. Great response. I think it was great on. So I'm glad I asked the question. So my last one is this, what's the guiding principle behavior that you've seen in every great leader that you've worked with?
0: I think that fantastic leaders sort of harkening back to the conversation that we've had today, they really care about their teams, and they don't forget about the human element. Okay, so you can be great at setting a vision as a leader, you can be great at installing systems and processes for whatever, for managing performance. And even if you set an amazing vision and you set up fantastic systems to get people from point A to point B and achieving that vision, if you don't care about your team and you're not investing in them and you're not building relationships, you're not you're not going to be nearly as impactful and effective as you otherwise could be. Uh, so that that would be my my number one trait of successful leaders that I, I would choose. Right.
1: Wholeheartedly agree as well. A really common response we get here are empathy, compassion. They're all part of that human experience, right? I think you you, you took it a level further with the, with the way that you, you you articulated that, which I think is absolutely fantastic. But totally agree. I, I, I work in a world of recruitment and I say to people, it's very different to selling anything else. We're not selling a phone. It's a product. We're dealing with people that can change their minds, can deal with trauma, can go through a whole... You know, gambit of different things, and we've got to understand the human in people when you're working in a human-based process. And if you don't get that bit right, you're doomed to fail in sales, in recruitment, that I do, or any industry. So, I think it's a fantastic response, a great way to to close the show. I want to uh, direct our listeners to to plural site, of course, and there will be a link in the show notes. But if people want to find out more about yourself, will want to connect with yourself, where can I where can I direct them? Uh,
0: you can find me on LinkedIn, Will uh, Will Clive on LinkedIn, C L I V E
1: fantastic and I'll make sure there's a link to your uh, profile on LinkedIn as well in the show notes and of course if you're an HR or l professional listening to this show and you need support with a particular HR related vacancy please do get in touch with myself or any of my wonderful team here at JJrecruitment.com uh, we do recruit across the UK Europe and shortly into the US as well By the time this goes live we'll be open in the US so if you need any support please do get in touch with myself and my team just leaves me to say one more huge thank you to Will Crive for joining me today on the HRND podcast a fascinating and passionate passionate conversation about the world of leadership so thank you so much will for joining me i look forward to being the next episode real soon will thank you that's it for today's episode of the hr LD podcast i hope you found this discussion informative and thought-provoking and that it gave you actionable insights to help you drive your hr agenda forward Please remember to subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And I'd also love to hear from you. So if you enjoyed this show, please do leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback helps me to ensure I can continue to bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Oh, and don't forget to share this show with your colleagues and fellow HR leaders as well. The more we spread the word, the more we can grow our community of HR professionals who I know are all as dedicated to driving the future of work forward as I am. Thanks, of course, for tuning in. My name is Nick Gay. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. It would be great to get connected. In the meantime, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon.